the Podjectivity Network. It's so much. It's so, so much. She said hello. I think I'm two. Two. Do you want to be two? Anyone is free to be two. (laughs) But I I can say that whenever I want. I'll be three. Two. Give me three. Three doesn't have the same ring. Three, three. Chris. Two. Where's Dan? Two. Where's Dan? One? Dan must be one. Those bars are wigging. Does anyone need to be turned down? Bit by dog with a rabbit tooth. So Then uh, we're not say the Pledge of Allegiance. Pledge Allegiance to the flag. I pledge allegiance to the first monkey that decided to stand up straight and tall. I pledge allegiance to That's those stuff. who choose to dance alone instead of not at all. Okay. That's good. Okay. I like where you're at. How about you, Adams? I sound great. You're the soft. You can't see my waves. There they are. I don't know if why. If you were a Kleenex, you'd be soft teak. Okay. <laughs> Some off-brand Kleenex? Why that's, am I not Puffs? That's upscale Kleenex. I don't think so. It's Puffs soft teak. It's a flattering Kleenex. I'm if you were a tampon. <laughs> if I was a tampon, I would be an organic tampon in a biodegradable box. Right. Actually, maybe a Diva cup. Should we talk more about periods? Sure. Please. <laughs> it got real quiet. Tell me, what's Diva a Diva cup? Diva cups. Diva tell cup us. is a cup, as you would expect. You sure. put up there, no and it's supposed to hold all the juice, and then you like dump it out and put it back in again. But you, it, you're, the oh, cup. Everything the has to be formed. <laughs> It has to be formed exactly the right way oh. in order for no juice. leaks to happen. And most women after babies. Gets leaky. It, it's not because of how mm, I hate to use the word tight, but it's not because of how uh, we'll say narrow. It's more shape. It's like because the cup is symmetrical and most women are asymmetrical and like you some said t- it. <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> tilted and sometimes you know it's a body it's not a geometry it's not a plastic it's, it's not like geometry device you're, you're not made of I'm legos a, we're not made of lego i'm gonna change the subject have you guys seen lego masters no it's incredible negative will did we just make a, it did we, we just make a hard shift from diva cups to lego turn. masters do you understand have i informed you enough as to what they are i feel like i'm about there. The, the purpose so of them questions. is to do it's what? less waste. So many it's questions. It's like a tampon. You put it in. Okay. You're just in. collecting stuff and Collect, dumping it out and putting it back dump, in. Dump and then put it back in. It's and reu- that way you don't waste cotton. And This is a reusable, washable product. Correct. Yep. Okay. I know my We terms. can move on to Lego. Lego now. Masters. It, I'm happy to talk about that all day long if you guys want. But okay. Lego Masters is hosted by Will Arnett. Because he's Lego Batman. Who we all love and whose gif I sent you today may be among my favorite gifts of all time. I don't know if you guys saw that. He's got a knife in his mouth and he's got a magic show <laughs> happening with the cards. Did well, this anyone is from see Arrested that? Development. Yes. Arrested Development. Job? Uh, you didn't see it? No. Are you sure you sent it? 
I sent it. I've edit, got the... edit here because both of these guys no, are looking at their phones now. Oh, I fucking I call, sent it. I call bullshit. I call bullshit. Recent gifts. I double down. Dude. The Spartan cheerleaders. I sent it. Where Thank is you. it? Thank you for that. Oh, You're okay, okay, okay. I think here's the explanation. I am on flame emoji. I sent it. And then I've got two squares with object, object. Does that explain it? It was after, yeah, it was after that. Okay, okay. It didn't come through. This is great pod for everybody else, by the way. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I'm going to send it again. Editing. Dan, how do you feel like you would you would respond to having to like insert a plastic cup oh. into your body oh. regularly to maintain... What, diva cup? Or tampons and such like that. Does it make you grateful for your penis? Oh, it gives me... The idea of the monthly cycle gives me great pause. <laughs> uh, how challenging and uh, inconvenient, and it's a whole other level. All the of other management. words, yeah, that's, dude. Do you think at all though one. it's worth it to be able to give birth because you can, you know, like a sci-fi movie house a creature hmm. grow it in your body and then keep it alive for six months if you were stranded alone on a planet with nothing else but you and your baby and assuming you had some kind of nutrients you could keep that thing alive mm. for a year probably it's, it's that's messed up right and then you can feed it through your breasts. That's what I'm saying. That's right. how you keep it alive. Like, yeah, but yeah, you're feeding it through its development and then afterwards through in the whole your body. That's uh, your body produces. Why do we have nipples? Why do men have nipples? It There's no explanation, question. I don't think. There isn't. I don't know. I just listened to a pod about oh. why we have butts. There's also no explanation for the that. The gluteal cleft? <laughs> Did you listen to that? No. What do you mean? There's no explanation. I just know that's the medical it's term. Pretty clear. It's a you huge muscle that's you, connected to the things that you don't need butts move to you around. walk. You don't. You only need them to run. All right. Well, that was a pretty important but skill chimps, when you were. Chimps don't have the same kind of butt. Um, it's like a ligament or something. Look at chimps' butts. They have like no butts. They have no butt. Flat have, butt. Mm-hmm. Well, no. Wait a minute. They have no ass crack. That's but they don't have the, the the tissue and the, the muscles that the we cheeks. have. They don't have a gluteus. Because they don't. Have they don't the glutes. Because got no glutes. They don't. They weren't evolved to run. They're but more like they got the arm upper body strength in there, and their feet are like hands. And they okay. and there's something else. I, I just listened to this on Radio Lab. Um, they put pigs on a treadmill, and they put like a mirror in front of them, <laughs> and a and a box around them oh. to get them to run. Because they would run towards the pig in front of them, oh and my then God. as soon as what their around, butt, what, what what was on the side? As soon as the, a box, as soon as their butt hit the back of the box, they would jump forward. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. That's a terrible pig. It's not but bad. when they run, their head goes side to side, and there's a ligament or something that humans have that keeps their head steady when it's running. Oh. That pigs don't have, and other animals that were evolved not to run they don't have it but is we have connected it to the ass somehow or mm -hmm. it's connected to the butt yes so it's sort of like we evolved to run basically so the bipeds like us mm -hmm. we have kind of a steady cam we have a steady cam correct that is linked to the butt to the buttocle area mm -hmm. and you don't need your butt to walk 
Only okay. to run. It keeps you from falling over when you're running. This is Radiolab. I am not making this up. Well, you've taken us this far. <laughs> Back up a little bit. You don't need a butt to walk, but to run. To run. It keeps you somehow from falling over. Now, somehow the act of leaping from foot to foot. I have mine all the time. <laughs> so you have to you have to help me with is it like a turbo a little bit like the the mass of muscle tissue the glutes are the largest muscle mass in your body sort of aren't they like supposedly so yeah. you're generating power to do something explosive in that area which i well, would imagine came in handy when we were you know thousands of years ago or whatever surprised by something that could fucking kill us and we had to run for our lives you would think surprised by the but what <laughs> they talked something about we're trying to kill what they talked about we can't we're not going to outrun anything really mm. but we can out endurance something so what they were oh. saying because animals their weird sweat glands like somehow we are able to run longer over longer periods of time because we're able to sweat. Oh. And there's animals that can't sweat and they have to pant. So the dogs are right. over on this who can outrun us. It's like the tortoise and the Maybe, hare. They're, yeah. they're by the side of the road with their tongue hanging out. And we're just Maybe pooping. on a short race. But if we're chasing them for days, running after them for days, we will win. But then they transition from this information, which I thought was interesting, into there's a race that happens every year somewhere out west and it's man against horse and it's a bunch of runners that Radio race lab. against Good that Lord. race against horses okay and the horses do have riders but um you should listen to it i don't want to give away the ending because mm. usually over 50 it's an endurance race so usually over 50 miles the horse is going to win but who the fuck <laughs> puts that as their target like i'm going to kick that horse's ass endurance runners right it's just another one of those things we were talking about this the other day where you're like what am i doing with my life how am i challenging myself i'm not racing fucking stallions i'm gonna climb but el that, capitan without any without ropes. ropes sure right i just you saw that movie right free so as much as i could take yes was it too stressful for you so many thoughts I, i'm curious uh, say them all the uh the idea of challenging yourself in that fashion, physically, let's say. Risking death. I don't have it. Uh, and I don't understand it. And it's, I, I chalk it up to the fact that I work outside hmm. and I get plenty of good lung clearing, uh, body moving exercise every day. Mm -hmm. So I just don't have that itch to exercise to a great extent or to push myself or to challenge myself. Oh. But that's because I make my living with my body. So what like, about adrenaline? Though? I have to keep it. So everything just moves at a pace. Adrenaline is accidental. At that's this how point. you slip and fall. That's how you twist stuff. It's so dangerous. I just like, okay. So I don't, I really struggle. I struggle oh. to understand that need. That's interesting. Like my wife run, <laughs> runs marathons. Yeah. And I, but she also works in a in a kind of officey sort of environment where right. she has to be more stationary or sedentary. Yep. She than worked in a lab for years. Now she works in a school, which is a little more high energy, but still has that need, that itch to push it, to push it. And I 
I just don't get it. But I mean, in the case of Free Solo, and yes, beyond the physical challenge, mm-hmm. this guy is driven by the fact that no one's dared to do this thing that he's planning to do. Yeah, oh yeah. Before and trying to identify or get inside the mind of somebody who's willing, like the first astronauts that strapped themselves to the rockets and were like, "Let's see what happens." No one's done this shit before. Might die. There's another impulse. It's hard to. I lack. It's hard to identify with those kind of balls. The risking of, risking of life, for anything to prove anything or I'm to not see that bold. if I can do it. I take you are. all sorts of safe chances. Like, let's play this song we've never played in front of people, or let's do a podcast. That's adrenaline. That no one might like. Don't you think that's adrenaline? Your life isn't on the line, though. But I'm not gonna fall off and die just your reputation it's easier to recover from an injured reputation than a faulty rocket so with the free solo guy and then i'll be quiet i watched that doc that you guys have seen yeah and a lot of people have seen uh i got about halfway through and i was just like okay enough didn't hold your attention it's wow yeah it didn't and it made chris and i super nervous yeah it made me nervous. It made me wonder the poor guy the or the guy has a girlfriend. Right. That he talks about as like an accessory almost. Like she's that was small and she quite No, un- he's kidding. That was unpleasant. He's kidding. That's that's a funny thing to no, say I, about I your girlfriend. I don't think he was kidding. In the van at all. like <laughs> he was doing what he could. He I'm still- sorry to take his side, but I mean she knew what she was signing up for. Oh, to for sure. Too. She 100% knew who she knew he knew who he was, what he was into. Yes. If she wanted a normal boyfriend, then don't answer that right. call. I don't think that he was kidding at all, though. He was, I, he was being honest. He's being real. Yeah. He is. She's tiny and doesn't take up room in the van. That guy's brain was. <sighs> he was sweet in some some cases. Mm-hmm. He was, yeah, but yeah. Just, I'm sorry, yeah. Dan. What I well, what driven. I like? How much room is there for romance when you're that fucking driven? And when I, so when you watch it, what I took away from it is like this guy's brain is like 3% the autonomic stuff that keeps you alive, and then the other 97% ah. is the climbing. Did you get he to the... He cares p- not for any other pursuit. Mm-hmm. Any, so that was the question. personified. Like. So while it's, brought a, it's put across as this amazing, staggering feat, I watched it and went, this guy needs to broaden out a little bit. He mm. is not a, this is not a well-rounded person. He has no ability to relate to I people. Think his, I think his attempt... To like, he didn't give nothing to that relationship, and the and the footage of him going through that condo with her and being like, "Okay, I guess the carpet's fine." I don't. Uh, that was at the end, though. If you stopped watching halfway through, I didn't make it that far. We don't need a larger refrigerator. He does like, grow a little bit. Does he? He shows some growth because well, uh, that turned me off too. It was just like, "We get it, climbing." No, he does. I under- he looks at condos. He's, okay, he's but and he's so uncomfortable to her a little bit. He's so uncomfortable doing it, but he's doing it for her. Mm-hmm. And I mean, maybe that's the a little bit of growth. How old is this guy? When you talk about growth, no, early twenties, maybe. But I mean, uh, what? This is my go-to analogy. You're going to be shocked when I bring up Jordan. I was just about to go there too. But I mean, he's not risking his life. No, but what what makes him comparable to this free solo fellow? He's thirty-four. Is his? Oh, really? He looks young. Was Jordan single-mindedness? Adrenaline keeps you young. Like, aside from his gambling activities or whatever that he did to blow off a little steam, like when he was, when he was engaged in something and he had he set his mind on winning a championship, 
he cared not for his anything else like he his life was dedicated you saw what he did to his body he was one of the first athletes to transform his body into a machine of muscle in perfect nutrition and he was a winning machine and you know his so devotion a singular focus level of dedication was was a new standard the, but how does I don't understand how people the look at that and they're in awe of it. The risking. discipline, the discipline, the discipline, the, the 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 ability to totally commit yourself to something is exceptional. Whether you think it's healthy or whatever, you can argue it's just formidable. You got to right. respect Step one. it because that level of God commitment. Damn. Totally agree. And Alex Honhold too. However, level of commitment unquestioned. When they did his brain scan, and and she's like, "Yeah, risk doesn't really register the mm. same way that mm. it reg." Did you see that part? I think so. That it registers for normal humans. The risk centers of your brain aren't firing the same way. Then I get it because which is you, another this way is of not saying a fear. normal human person. Which is another way of saying like fear, like Jordan, the game-winning shot, cr- crunch time, when other people got scared, he wanted it. And people, there's certain people that can just function and like thrive and thrive in a situation when, when there's a lot at stake. Like Sean White, that snowboarder. Did you guys watch the Winter Olympics? YOLO, man. And he was the last to compete Mm. and his first two runs were like mediocre and he Mm. had to nail the last run and he fucking nailed it. There couldn't have been more pressure and it was life threat. I mean, death defying. Career defining. It's, the, not, it's not child's play. No. If you wrong. make a false move, you're dead. Yeah. Well, but that's a thing for sure. I don't I don't think it's the same thing as Michael Jordan because he's not risking his life. Mm. But I understand. All right. Say that he's not risking his life, but. The driven how part. Many, how yes. many that's millions. That's in common. That's how, in the same. League. Glass. Or what, yeah. Glass. And we've talked about same, this uh, before. <laughs> like. Column. Like uh, as, big as, uh, as big as. Uh, as big as. Rhymes with glass. Uh. <laughs> As big as the Olympics were and as big as these moments were and the prospect that that guy could fall off the mountain, I would argue that a handful of people, a microscopic even level of people, were paying attention to what those guys were doing compared to Jordan in his prime. He'd built up his brand by selling hot dogs and batteries and shoes. Underwear. And underwear and insurance and tampons (laughs) and everything. Diva cups. Diva cups. He was all over it. They had Ding. air in them. They were so comfortable. But he... You could see right through the... You could... They were transparent. Yeah. Yeah. Very stylish. Yeah. Uh, but... So he... An unprecedented level of hype. We've never seen that amount of pressure and hype. Whether his life was on the line or not, he had a brand and a reputation that was bigger than anything that's ever been built in the history of sports. Mm-hmm. And he continued to fucking answer the bell. Mm-hmm. Like... Like it was, he could, he could compartmentalize, he could separate like, all right. And I remember him saying something about like that this ability to focus is what connects them to like, you could tell when that dude was on the mountain, his girlfriend, all these other things, they didn't exist. It was just a matter of getting the next move, making the next ascension, going through the plot. And Jordan, similarly, like when it was fucking game time. All the endorsements, all the expectations, everything else didn't exist. It was just focused on game winning. What does pressure look like, though? Like, for a guy like that, if you're in the moment, 
you do a commercial, then you go home, spend time with your family, then you go to basketball practice. And then, I mean, pressure in the moment when you're halfway up this rock, like El Capitan, that you can feel. But this pressure that you're talking about, it's a little vague to me. Like, where does it come from? That was before the internet. So it's not like you're getting tweets and internet pressure. It wasn't before cable news, though, and thousands of people watching you every time you perform. Did that guy on El Capitan have thousands of people breathing down his neck, shouting at him when he was doing shit, and cameras, and commentators? No, quite the opposite. So you're saying the pressure comes from the immediate game that's happening? Like, I'm just trying to get a sense of what pressure would have felt like Speaking from the perspective of someone who's performed in front of... Uh, you know, hundreds or maybe like thousands of people yeah. in a in a in a stadium like environment, it's charged as fuck. Uh huh. You know, and and having media like it might not have been the internet, but Jordan was well covered. Mm. You know, very well covered to the point that he felt like Michael Jackson ish almost, and not having a fucking personal life anymore or a life. God knows what that would have looked like in the age of the internet, but. He was under a tremendous amount of scrutiny, his every move, tremendous. And he invited more by selling himself and his brand. And So, yeah, it was his fuel. He did well with so more he, eyes. So, so More eyeballs. The more yes, the better, probably. And, and, and he had a pressure to deliver on the promise that was being sold, the dream attached to his products. Like, if you buy this, you get a piece of this guy who's a fucking hero. Mm-hmm. And when the day needs to be saved he does it how did he do playing baseball or like how did he do when there weren't as many eyeballs on him high school or there was never not too many eyeballs on him even when he did his baseball thing it was covered what about high school circus it was his failure was well chronicled in baseball how about what high school well chris he famously at his hall of fame induction took a shot at his high school coach. Ooh, that's is brutal. That, do I have that? That I am looking at the resident Jordan histographer, biographer here. I he, there's something in that speech where he like took a swipe at his coach and was like, "His you didn't of- start me." And of course, it's all in like the it motivated me to be great. And all ah, this. but like, so how was he in high school? He was probably better than average, but not. What he did was great. he went through a growth spurt between like his sophomore and junior year where he didn't make varsity as either a sophomore or a junior, and that slight fucking burned. Mm. And he never forgave his hmm. coach, even though he hadn't hit his growth spurt. And then when he did and he started dominating, he was like, see? Uh-huh. So and even when he was inducted and being celebrated as the greatest player, he hadn't really let it go. And the whole speech <laughs> went off <laughs> as like an indictment against like, hey, I'd like to thank all of the people who fucked me and motivated me, and I'm gonna list them off right now. And it's gonna be uncomfortable for everybody, <laughs> but I'm Michael, but I'm Michael Jordan, so suck it. Isaiah Thomas, fuck you. Oh my God. You know, yeah. There, it, Isaiah Thomas got some got some of his love slash hate. You know, of like, you know, you your treatment of me and beating up on me when I was a young player and all that kind of stuff pushed me to be greater. And I did become greater. Remember when I became greater and I won all those titles and you <laughs> weren't winning them anymore? Thanks. 
This so. is reminding me of someone. Who is it? Someone that was like, I became successful despite you and fuck you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a minute and it will come to me. Okay. It will come to me. Well, free solo, Jordan, the stress and the pressure. The drive. single so back to the back to the drive. That drive. As I watched Free Solo, it occurred to me that his drive, like Jordan, different worlds, comes with a price. V- comes with various prices, but chief among them being everything else in a f- balanced life. And that is that got to me after a while where it's like. So what what is what does anybody do when they watch free solo? They go, geez, how does this guy do this? Could I do that? And it's like his daily schedule. Get up. Eat climbing fuel. uh, Take care of all my various injuries. Constantly do more fingertip pull ups on my van. You know, his fingertips and his toes and everything were all blown out all the time. And like, what did he? There's a part of the story is he sustains some injury that he's supposed to stay off of. He like twists an ankle or something. He twists an ankle. Okay. And does he patiently stay off of it and uh, let it heal properly? No, like 30 seconds after he walks out of the doctor's office, he's trying to climb, trying to climb. And I get the point of free solo. I get that it's amazing, but it just at a, it got to a point of like, do something else. Mm. And that is the price of that kind of drive. And I obviously don't have that. Did you get to the part with his family and his mother? Uh, I think so. Because like, I uh, think they talk about what might be driving him. What was the reason? Was there some He's dinner looking or for his or mother's like, love, basically. Okay. May not have got that far. Yeah. But that's what got to me was the... If when he's not climbing, he's taking care of his fingers and his injuries, and planning his meal, Making and living sad in his bachelor little, food in his van, eating ramen in his little van. Uh, did the guy? Did he read a book once in a while or something? Did he like? What was he doing in there? I just it just got to me, and I I got to a point, and I just said, okay, I get it. That's all this guy wants to do. That's all there is to this guy. Mm-hmm. His story, you one can tell it pony, in twenty one, minutes. One I dimensional. It's one dimensional. And even if but that, he did even something if that single impossible. Di- even if that single dimension is historic and like, Impo- yeah. it's True. impossible what he True. did. Impossible. But I got my fill about thirty <laughs> minutes like, in. I, I don't was, care. He's not interesting. I, I get it. I get it, buddy. I get it. And the price. So different people, but Jordan had the price. The price of couldn't show his face in public. Uh I'm sure his family life wasn't. He's got a failed marriage. Idyllic mm-hmm. in those times when yeah. nothing matters to you except winning. So what makes so you miss ex- a lot of things when, like, in my normal life, if nothing mattered to me but surveying, is uh, that what makes an athlete interesting? Though is the rest of their life. Like Tom Brady is married to Gazelle, Gazelle and right. I don't know what else does or is he it do. Giselle, Giselle, Giselle. <laughs> Freudian. Sorry. I mean, what makes an athlete interesting? Well, 
Do they have to be interesting? First of all, no. First of all, we don't give a fuck oh. about that athlete unless they put up numbers or they perform. Are they win- <laughs> easy? Wow. Yeah. I'm sure, like we're the ten thousandth person to say Giselle. Giselle. Somebody follows Giselle on Instagram <laughs> at this table. I'm pretty sure it's Giselle now that we're we've said Giselle so many times. Mrs. Brady, please. Let's uh, let's just settle on Mrs. Brady. That's good. First of all, Chris, I'm just going to say personal interest is always second in the world of sports to putting mm. up the fucking numbers. Not for Dan. Waiting. He stopped watching. No. Rock mm. climbing is a sport. All right. I'm just saying in general. Yeah, you know what? Like, I did. I bailed before he made it to the pinnacle. I was like, I don't even care if he does. We've talked about a guy Man like- against rock. That's the main thing. You like man against man. Mm. Man against rock. He likes hot man on man. <laughs> <laughs> Man against rock doesn't hold interest for you, but man against man does. If the rock could have kicked him off, would that have been more interesting? I'm sorry to be so difficult, but I guess I did find that interesting. I just found the documentary boring. Really? Yeah. And maybe I should have just fast... Maybe I should have fast forwarded to watch him climb to the top. Oh, but did, all I saw was him wrapping his the, fingers. They made the last climb interesting because and, they okay. detailed okay. how he had to prep for okay. that climb. And like the specific detail from toe hold to like finger hold to micro movements. His journal. Yes. Which he it had was visualized the entire detailed. thing. You know, I. it might sound like I'm shitting on the guy, but like he's free to do that. It sounds like, like you just got bored with the movie. That's the yeah, yeah. That's all. Like yeah. that's the great thing about America, is he's free to do that. Mm-hmm. We actually live in a place where a guy can do nothing but climb, yeah, and eat, you know, eat and poop, uh, <laughs> shower occasionally. And he, it looks like he at least got close to a relationship with another mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. But like, he's free to do that. Mm-hmm. I'm not terribly interested, and I. I'm free to just hit back and watch the next episode of uh, Mindhunter or uh, tune into a game. Some hot man-on-man action. I have. So that's all. I don't want to shit on the guy too much, but... It, if it didn't do it for you, then I'm satisfied. But that's pa- I think anything. that's part of it, too. I bet I'm not the only person who watched that and went, Jesus, buddy. Like, how about a pet? How about a... How about... Volunteer somewhere, or how about uh, pick up a hobby? You know, just something a little less. Re- but th- that's his wiring, though. Yeah. And, and I just got enough in about 30, more, 30, 40 minutes. I had enough. I'm just trying to picture I got that guy's a father. Like the selflessness mm. that's involved in family yeah. life. Like he'd have a baby in his, in a Bjorn climbing up a fucking mountain with so, no ropes, probably. There's more there. Like I have a number of yeah. hobbies that take up my time. And I know how hard it is to fit those in. Free baby so and is not really risky. Have my family life pay the price for that, you know? Like this guy. You know, his point, one of the things that he said, one of the quotes that stood out was like, anybody can have a family. Anybody can have a girlfriend. He said that? Yeah. Essentially. Well, does he think he's better than me? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. But really I think he, he probably did. <laughs> but that's that's something that uh it was like his attempt to relate to the rest of the world, in a sense. And it was a little window into how he views everyone else. I guess, yeah. And and he wasn't, like, really arrogant and mean about it. But 
the sense that I got was just that he was you know? disappointed when he looked around at how complacent and like satisfied the rest of humanity was to do what everyone else was doing. Hmm. I'm, hmm. I felt more it was like... You're giving me a... This is why people I, talk, I think. You're I giving mean, me a different angle of the... Anybody We can have do one it. life. Make it exceptional, which was kind of an inspirational... Knowing exactly who he was. Hmm. Like that kind of self-awareness of this is what I was born to do and I'm going to hmm. do it 10,000%. Clear sense of purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In that way... No plan B. He goes right on the mountain with... Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's who else is single-mindedly? Carl Laird Lewis Hamilton devoted themselves to something. This is where it's going to get a little shaky. Outside Do you know of, Laird Hamilton? Outside of sports, I don't know I'm Laird Hamilton. Laird, the surfer. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Big wave surfer. Okay. I'm going to pull okay. up. I'm going to pull up some footage. Some That'd Laird. Be nice for the pod. We have to talk through this, but hopefully they'll show. So he with this kind of big wave surfing, you have to get towed out. To the wave. What does that mean? You mean it means a jet ski pulls you out? Oh, towed like yeah, hauled yeah, out there. Hauled out because the waves like this. Look at right. the waves like this. Can you see that? Because how how could you even get out there? It would take you all he day is, just to get. He to has it. death they just chasing him, ten, crashing behind his heels. Yeah, it's like ten. Ten times his height, I would say. And he's just in the air there for yep. a while. Suspended. And I remember when they interviewed his wife and they're like, well, how can you let him do that? And she's like, he would be impossible to live with if I didn't let him do that. Passionate man. This is what she, he was born to do. And if he doesn't her. do it, he's miserable. But Adams, if I may sounds like you admire this guy because it's surfing and it's the ocean and you love the ocean and that's romantic. But when we talk about <laughs> race car drivers, wow. but when we talk about race car drivers, you get all snotty and you're like, well, that's, <laughs> oh my God. that's, that's, that's boring. That's dumb. These guys are hillbillies. He's a tanned surfing. Next guy, topic, so. <laughs> auto racing. So Don't defend yourself. Seriously. Right. Isn't it the same thing? What I like about, Laird Hamilton is that he was born by the ocean. He felt a connection to it. He was he learned how to surf when he was young. Mm. He devoted his life to it. And it's man connecting with nature, respecting its power. Because he would not versus burning a bunch of fossil fuels to go around in a circle over and over. To me it's two different things. They're both athletes. I would argue that race car drivers are athletes. And the risks are similar, you acknowledge. High risk. But he is finding a way to respect nature. He He has a relationship with the planet. Correct. He has a relationship with it. Is it proportion? Like Alex Honnold. If anybody were to go out and try to do this without having had it's kind of like musicians that grow up learning with a drum in their hand when they're three. It's like in these um, really musical areas where music is a part of their rituals. It's a part of their daily life. They just have different rhythmic sense than any of us do. They just do because they were born with it. It's a part of their cellular Mm -hmm. structure. So when I watch him surf, that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, Connecting with the ocean and feeling its power is a part of his DNA. It is 
woven in. And that is part of why yeah, I, I don't find have that gear. So fascinating. I'm sorry to be devil's advocate. I get that it's not polluting the environment and it's like more respectful or like uh, connected in a way to the actual wave. You're fucking riding nature, the power mm-hmm. of nature. It's, it's a special thing, surfing. But like racing culture, there are boys who, who grow up being fucking pit crew for their dad who is into little circuits and racing and things like that. And it's a connection to, it's a bonding agent, you so know. So you could argue that they're connected to gravity and like velocity, but they're not bonding Natu- with nature, the earth. Nature is not, is not as, you know, yeah, it, you can't argue that they're, it's an it's a nature based activity, but it is something I that the people. understand the drive is the same, and also that the drive. Notice how we use that word, <laughs> oh. but uh, but just that in racing cultures, like I'm sure, it's it's a thing that just as beautiful to them as a drum being put in their hands, being put behind the wheel of a go kart, mm-hmm. and the happiness that they experience as a kid with their dad building them a sweet fucking go kart. And taking them every weekend or whatever, all these times to the course, and all the other families and the people that are involved in that whole circuit, like it's a. I have that in my. It's a community. It's a community. It's a community. We drove to Indy 500 from Michigan State, in one of those. It looked like a Trans Am, but it wasn't. It was one of those cheesy, Trans Am type cars. This sounds like an epic trip already. What was playing on the stereo? Yeah, right. Playing on the stereo. (laughs) And then when we got down there, we stayed in like the the inner part, whatever you call that. The infield. (laughs) Yes, the infield. So, and I like saw the culture. People were excited. It was fun. Every time. Dick Higgs used to go to the Indy 500. Someone went around. You'd be like, years he went to the Indy 500. Okay. Every time. So, you and like your college buddies? Yeah, a couple of college friends. A bunch of. Liberal arts <laughs> majors said, what are you doing this weekend? It's Memorial Day weekend. What are you doing? We're going to the Indy 500. Yeah. Yeah. And you were like, I'm That's, down. Why not? Knock off Trans Am. I'm in. Same people I would sit around and watch Pink Floyd The Wall with. Hmm. I'll bring the ACDC. Did you bring the ACDC? No, that's Who a, brought that CD? <laughs> that's a broad palette of interests. You probably had a compact disc that you were putting into the... Into the player of that vehicle at that point, or would it have been a tape? It might have been a tape. I don't remember. Let's see. I graduated, so it was 92, Mm. probably. I only bring this up because today I had to instruct my daughter when I was taking her home. I was like, hey, could you switch the Paul Simon Stranger to Stranger disc Mm. out for Ryman Simon? And she was like, okay, so the shiny Mm. side goes up or down. And she picked up her phone and started hitting (laughs) buttons and was like, Dad. What are you talking about? Oh my god! It gosh. was confusing. It was confusing, but we worked it out. I I coached her through the whole, the whole process. What was the point of that? You're gonna have to. We're ex- talking about racing. Your trip to oh, the Indy 500. Oh, so basically, I I was trying to say I get the culture, and it's about the experience. It's not just about the I race. Mean, it's the cult. It's the mm-hmm. environment around it. It's the festivity. It's like tailgating at a football game. I just watched Ford versus Ferrari. So did I. And I was devastated at how they ended the movie. Time out. Time out. Before we get to Ford v. Ferrari, how did you decide to go to the Indy 500? 
Because someone said, There's do you want to go? There's 50 states in the union. Hey, okay. you want to go? There are all sorts yeah. of things a person can do <laughs> to just spin the wheel and end up there is interesting. Nope. Okay, if, so if, somebody if said. If someone posed an interesting trip it. to me, I'm going to say yes. Okay, so someone. Okay. Almost always. Got it. Like you could ask today, hey, should we drive to California? And I'd be like, sure. Why yeah, not? Sorry to beat a horse there. I just had to know, <laughs> like, how of all the things in the world? No, someone had an idea. How much trust do you have to have to free solo El Capitan, right? <laughs> Like it was that's what made that's part of what made that so compelling whether you endure it or not is like the ultimate expression of a guy who just believed in himself against the mountain against the impossible ali versus foreman uh you know that's another great documentary where everyone was like ali you're going to fucking die and he was like i'm gonna f- knock this bitch out <laughs> just just <laughs> watch me i did not just watch see me. that when We Were Kings is the name of the documentary, and it just focuses on Ali fighting George so Foreman. So was he arrogant or was he confident? Well, with Ali, I mean, he was super brash, and it was easy to call him arrogant. But, like, it was just compelling to see how, like, he'd had that break because he'd be protested against the Vietnam War. The game had sort of mo- moved on without him. He was coming back into it. A lot of people thought he'd lost it. Foreman looked like a fucking monster who was just destroying everyone, and they were like worried about him mm. coming back in and he was like guys have you forgotten i'm the fucking greatest of all time mm. and uh you know he really had to he really had to just ride his own self-belief through all of these doubts and all of these people saying this is not going to end well for you dude and so what happened that was the infamous rope dope technique where he the the fight was in Zaire it was in I think in Africa uh-huh. put this big spectacle together there was music that came that was like a, 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 a you know Africans African Americans going back to their roots kind of festival thing that's the way it was conceived so James Brown B.B. Okay. King uh, I think maybe Bill Withers too a bunch of great artists black artists played there was wow. a fight and and his strategy was to get Foreman to just absorb punishment for several rounds, cover up, back up on the ropes, and take these devastating, withering, huge Uh. haymakers until he wore himself out. And then late, late in the fight, when when he could see that he was getting tired, you just saw the gloves come down. Foreman? No, but when Foreman was tired, and you could see that his punches were becoming a little labored and he was becoming slow. Ali all of a sudden gets out of his defensive position and starts fucking rocketing uh. and firing these crisp combinations and and picking him apart until he was on the canvas. That is crazy. Yeah. And he and it was a huge risk. Huge risk to that strategy to try I and I can stand. just take a beating. Not just any beating, but from George Foreman at that time. Okay. Yeah. Who was just devastating people with his power. How much of that is wills and will 60% will significant. That's a lot. Figure whatever it is. Yeah. You would not be able to withstand that if you didn't have a will that was like steel. Pride. Pride. Yeah. was a big deal. For sure. Mm. I'm a fucking champ. They stripped it from me. I'm getting it back. Oh my gosh. Who beat him? 
How they? How did they strip it from him? Because he protested, he was a conscientious objector. Oh, okay. Said, so it wasn't a fighter; it was political. Yeah, as Carlin okay. said, "You won't kill people. We're not going to let you kick their ass." Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a doc on uh, Netflix right now called uh, Uppity. <laughs> Didn't Uppity. see it. And it was, uh, it's produced by Adam Carolla, who's now made a number of racing documentaries. Get it on. Must get it on. And I just, I, I Adam haven't. Adam Carolla, huh? I didn't quite see the whole thing. Podcaster, big podcaster. What made me think of it Girls on is, Trampolines, guys. Yeah. 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 Adam Carolla and Jimmy Kelly. I'm not, I will never Thanks. get over it. Ever. Okay. Never getting over it. In the meantime. <laughs> He's this documentary Uppity. It's about Willie T. Ribs, and that's a real name of a real guy. Hmm. Uh, black race car driver, uh, first black driver to drive at the Indy 500. Oh, your favorite race, you know, <laughs> Adam. Your was favorite there race. when it happened. <laughs> and the the reason it that came to right. mind is he was he was. Uh, I mean, besides the uh, deeply rooted racism. Uh, he was disliked in the race community because he was brash and pretty cocky. And he had spent time with Muhammad Ali in some fashion. Uh, I mean, how else except like we got to stick together maybe, you know, there aren't that many famous black athletes. So Hmm. anyway, when he would win a race, he would jump up on the roof of his car and do like an Ali shuffle you know like oh. I, I can't i can't ex- uh the footwork yep he would sure. do like a, an he does ali like the sting like a butter there we go thank you get up on top of the car and do like a foot like a butterfly sting yeah like yeah a yeah thing. and it pissed people off like crazy and he was just like this is how i celebrate like why why is it gotta be why do we just have to stand still and let him put a wreath on you like i this is what i do yeah i've got moves yeah, I feel like let him loose. Hmm. And yeah, it's worth watching. Uh, hmm. What was it called again? It's called Uppity. Uppity. Because his behavior got him called an uppity. Oh, boy. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's a really old term, but he hmm. got it, too. And there's. Yeah, it's. Well, when you were talking about Ali, it was making me think about that guy from. Ford versus Ferrari. His name's not in the title. Hmm. And his name should be in the title. The, Christ- the Christian Bale. Yeah. No, no, uh, no. Uh, no the, the driver. The driver. Uh, I don't know his name. I don't <gasps> remember. See? Yeah. Yeah. That's why. That sucks. Because he was like the main fucking thrust of the movie. Pretty much. And you were heartbroken when he died. Why would they do that at the end of the movie? At th- No. You fall in love with a character. This is how you end Ken the movie. Miles. Ken Miles was the driver. If you're going to make your audience fall in love at the end, you don't show them dying. You cut the film and then you put words on there. Or or you show their son watching them die on the racetrack like uh, they did in the film, right? The He's worst. like, oh, something's wrong. No, they ruined the whole crash. movie yeah. with that. But it doesn't matter. My point was. Disagree. Oh. Go on. You have let just it, let a, it few, out. a few seconds. Yeah. Go, let Please continue. Obviously, Ken Miles, that's his name. Mm-hmm. That is something he was born to do. No one else could do it the way he did it. 
He knew cars the way no one else knew cars. And I don't know if that played out the way that they said that it played out, where he slowed down. That absolutely happened. I've heard that story 521 <laughs> times on the Adam Carolla Incredible. podcast. Because he's a race guy. Carolla's a race guy. Okay. With his wealth he has found later in life as a celebrity. Uh, I don't want to just call him a celebrity, but in podcast pioneer. Uh, and he's moved over into documentaries. He made a documentary about this. Well, I felt that got shelved temporarily. Carolla did? Yeah, because I speculation, speculation light is on. Mm. He was talking about, because he always talks about what he's working on, on his show. And he talked about that doc for months. And then like, it just went into like a stall. And he, the last I remember or heard was he was struggling to get it on, uh, get, get it on, got to get it on. He was struggling to, how ironic, he was struggling to get it on. A platform, Amazon or Netflix, wasn't really a taker yet. Mm. And somewhere in that time, Matt Damon, I, I don't know how that happened. If they talked about it at a party or or I don't know what. But all of a sudden, Matt Damon is making a feature film about the same story that he's making a doc about. Mm. And as a Corolla listener, I was like, well, that's kind of... That's kind of sideways. Like that. That kind of sucks. Mm-hmm. You put all this time into something. He and he did. He talked about that. That he, all the time you put into something, and and but if nobody picks it up, like, so what? What are you, like, you going to do? Put it on the shelf and onto the next thing or whatever. But that doc, his Ford versus Ferrari doc, has subsequently come out on Netflix because that's oh, how things work. Interesting. So Ford v Ferrari comes out. Big movie. Big successful mm-hmm. motion picture. Give me more. So Netflix grabs. So it's funny how that worked out. Yeah. Point of that was I've heard that story of how Ken Miles had to slow down 520 times on his show. What? He's talked about that so many times. So have, that is absolutely true. I have a question, happened. though. I didn't really understand why he slowed down. The only thing that made sense to me was his relationship with Shelby. That's why he slowed down. He, why would he have slowed down? Shelby kind of leaned on him to do it. But why would he? Yeah, but this guy, the way that they painted him, he is not going to slow down for anything. He loves the race. You want to take this one, dude? Well, I think part of his struggle. It'd be the same as throwing a fight almost. Like, right. I, yeah. I, there's no reason why that except, character, the way they built that character, would have right. done that. Except there was a tension between him being this maverick, renegade outsider guy who just couldn't play ball. And be a team player, right? Sort of in a in an individual sport, but there was there was a team, and Ford's thrust, aside from winning, was to kind of the relationship between Ford and Ferrari at that point had become contentious. So the you know the PR move of like having all these Fords crossed together, it was just like an amplified fuck you to Enzo Ferrari. I think, and it was this—it was like a PR vision. Why would he cave to that? Yeah, because I think he had had the criticism leveled against him so many times that you're not a fucking team player, you're not coachable, you can't take instruction, you're just in this for yourself. You know, he—he had—he had solved in his mind the impression that I got that he had—he knew in his mind what he'd done. And that he had won that race. Mm-hmm. 
but also and that, so so he was satisfied on a personal level. At that point, it was in the bag. He had it. He and then on top of as it, far he, as he, he could knew, demonstrate, he won. I can I can all I can please everyone now. And they were going to let him nose out first, which they did. Of the three cars, he nosed over first. But then it's the technicality of like, well, driver number X, the other Ford driver Please. started 100 yards behind oh you. And so he traveled more ground and made up the time and blah, blah, blah. There's an implication that the Ford, that things happened at sort of a corporate, uh, not I don't want to say conspiracy, but they conspired almost to make him not the winner. Right. So that a good looking team player, all American uh Someone who looked better for the company was holding the wreath at the end, but and not the renegade. That was Ken my Miles. second problem: is driver X having who was also an excellent driver. I can't think of that guy's name. If uh, he, but if another someone, extremely famous okay, driver. Okay, you're driver X, and they hand you a wreath at the end of this race. Tell me you're not going to walk it over to Ken Miles. That would be the come on. Classy. You're not going to be like, oh, yeah, I won the race. I, I won. I mean, that's ridiculous. Any sportsman, any sportsman at that level would be like, this is total bullshit. You know this what? belongs to you. The fact that you had a stronger response. Bruce McLaren. Was it <laughs> McLaren? I did. It made me really dislike the movie from that point on. I was like, and first Dan of Gurney. All, was it Dan Gurney? that? So those two guys, McLaren and Gurney, drivers of... Similar, if not equal stature to Ken Miles at the there time. There had to have been a, a different story a as more to why he, would, a he, more... why he would slow down. I just don't buy that story. Who knows? I mean, it wasn't explained in well, the that's, film. That's and the then Driver X we don't know. is forever a douchebag for not walking the... Maybe he did in real Agreed. life, but Agreed. Yeah, any I don't know sportsman. That part. I really don't know that part. It's ridiculous. And, and then number three, strike three. No, I'm sorry. Well, if why? I am Siskel... Or Ebert, I'm giving it a thumbs down because of the ending. That, I have other reasons for giving it a thumbs down. Really? What are your reasons? Well, first, the why did he slow down thing. So maybe it's pretty, okay, part of the reason for my thumbs down is that uh, biopics like that, the personal side stuff. The marriage? is just his family life and stuff. Yeah. It's it it's so paint by numbers just to move it along uh, sure. and get you to those awesome races, mm-hmm. those heart-stopping race scenes. Mm-hmm. I don't care really much about auto racing to be quite honest. But that's some of the most spectacular movie I've seen in a long time. Uh I was riveted by that racing stuff. Mm. It got it totally worked for me. It got me. Um So as soon as the kid came on, you're like Heartstrings not being yeah, tugged. All the heartstring stuff was off just the, like off the screen. Yeah, so it, I thought it <laughs> suffered from that. And but how you got to tell a story somehow, mm-hmm. you know, or just scrap it all together and make it all racing. You know, I don't know. I, that's just me being a critic. Mm. What else didn't work for you? Well, getting back to the why did he slow down thing. I don't know if this is just a, a, a device that they used in the movie, like happens in movies. Maybe this, maybe this is a weakness. I don't know. But early on, when Lee Iacocca comes to the Ford Brass and says, "We've we've got to build a car that can 
that can win Lamar. <laughs> and the suits, the suits are just looking at it as like a business decision. Mm-hmm. And he sells them on it. And then eventually they have to get Carol Shelby in there to talk about it, which is like, you cannot win Lamar with money or machinery alone. It needs, mm-hmm. it has to have the solo climber guy, the Michael Jordan. It has to have that person mm-hmm. who has a relationship with it, who cares in a way that we can't understand, who has knowledge and instinct, talent. And passion and talent and lives only for this that's who wins and so he he fights the whole time to get ken miles to be the driver because Mm -hmm. he knows that this square peg kind of asshole guy can can do it he's Mm -hmm. one of the few humans on earth that can do this the suits never like him the suits always want dan gurney and the mclaren guy because he's a better image he makes a better photo op Mm -hmm. and so it just keeps getting ill. I guess it's, it almost kind of hits you over the head in the movie, I guess. It does. And maybe it's a weakness. It's is all- that those suits never, that guy, that not, not Henry Ford III or whatever, he but that guy right under him. That Reese Witherspoon movie, Sweet Home Alabama. I think- the guy right under him, though, mm-hmm. he's acting in the interest of the company, but he constantly is working against the he's pure got racing. A, he's got a personal vendetta against this guy a little bit. I think oh, because absolutely. and they make that very clear too. Because this may seem like a a bit of a, a leap, but if I Leo BB, that guy. If I may argue why it worked for me, and that there's something timelessly compelling about just a tragic hero. Hamlet, Jon Snow. The fact that Jon Snow couldn't have just become king at the end of Game of Thrones and he was head he was sent back up to the wall. Well of course. No glory. No, because that's just not his destiny. Like he's just, he was raised an outsider. He was always treated as one. He, that is who he's, he is. He, and he has embraced it in this noble kind of way. You know, like you keep your fucking glory. I'm just a badass. Hmm. And, and, and there's something, you know, there's something compelling about that character and the fact that. Free solo. Yeah. (laughs) Two, two. Um, that this guy was, you know, Ford at that point and, and still is this enormous corporation, you know, this enormous interest. And like, how do you, what room does a, does a, is there in that sort of organization for somebody who's as quirky and, you know, like just this rebellious genius sort of character, like the brass, the suits are not going to get this guy. They're going to resent his freedom and his independence mm. and his unwillingness to compromise and do all of the things that they've had to do. Yeah, that part to of it. Get their power. It's like a little ego battle on either side. You that know? part like, of it kind of broke my heart, though, that like they listened to Shelby to the extent to an extent that they gave him the resources he needed to let him build these cars, these incredible cars. But they never, it was always with like their fingers crossed behind their back. Mm -hmm. Cause when it really mattered the most, they were still like, it was pretty much like, yeah, we're going to leave this corporate and so protect our investment. The guy, 
they let the guys do what they needed to do to get to the pinnacle there. And then they're like, we'll take it from here. And then they made it and then they smoothed it all out and made it corporate. I think that's that's why it bothered me because I was like, I don't know if I buy it that that maybe that is how it happened. But it was like, well, obviously, if they cross the finish line together, it must have happened that way. But I felt like if you have a genius working for you that built you a race car from the ground up to two geniuses, are you really going to throw them under the bus at the last second that I, I just the movie would suggest yes I just don't know if I buy it I think I think the movie did a decent job though of establishing that like their pride you know the pride of this company and and but the, he wept in the car he's like I yeah. can't believe I'm in this car my father I wish my father could see me now when you he mean was, when they came down to the facility and he jumped in and goes yeah I sat on my nuts <laughs> yeah, but but still, he raced. Then, he was in the race car, like he felt it. He got right, he, he was crying. Mo- he was moved. That I don't want to. I don't want it to come off like I give this movie a thumbs down overall. Yeah, big thumbs up. It just it has some weaknesses that the a big time movie like this is gonna have. Yeah, but he, that part was spectacular. Yeah, yeah. he he's was crying. He was laughing and crying. Yeah, and in my home theater, which is phenomenal, which is equally spectacular, I was. I felt exactly the same when he hmm. whips that 360 mm-hmm. and uh, the car finally comes to a stop and he's laugh crying. I was sitting in my chair laugh crying at how <laughs> awesome that was. Yeah, but I mean, I'm sorry to bring things back to reality. But then at the end, when he flies away in his helicopter. Oh, yeah. And you see. That's what I didn't believe. After he experienced that, pissing his pants and experiencing a race car from a company that his father built with right. like the Model T. No, I don't buy it. He's not racing off in a helicopter. I don't. I just didn't. But I mean, Chris, I stopped believing right. after yeah. that. Now we got to. This was is going to be one, a great podcast. They, lo- they lost me. That We're was get one a- aspect <laughs> of that guy's empire that he oversaw. True. And for Christian Bale's character. It was that race. It was that car. It was his whole life. That was well illustrated too. It's like everybody else involved with Lama isn't going home. They're the, they stay there. They stay through the night and barely eat, barely barely sleep. I mean, come on, you're in a car race. Who's really sleeping that well? Uh, and he jumps in a helicopter. Whether or not that's true, I don't know. But also, he was is, there for a while and jumped in a helicopter and left. What kind of race nice is dinner. this? Twenty four hours. Who's putting their people in a 220 miles per hour car after they've been awake for 20 hours? What? That, that boy, is insane. That might be a whole nother podcast. Who climbs? Because that's Capitan, a tradition. You know, who, that's a tradition over there that uh, does it still go on? Is there still? I don't know. I have no idea. It's bonkers. But no, that's all true. That's all real. And oh the way God. they all line up across from their cars. And when the guy fires a run, they run. <laughs> that's that's all true. That's all real. I'd be tripping the person next to me. And you, that's I mean, sports precious, there. Precious five seconds. And when Lee Iacocca goes and visits Ferrari, uh, which is hilarious with the intent to try to buy him, <laughs> tours the factory. And they're like, you just get the sense, like, how many cars do you make? They're like, we make 12 cars a year or whatever it is. <laughs> like, this guy here, all he does is hand make engine blocks. That's all he does. Oh my God. And this guy here, he hand makes transmissions piece gear by gear. 
he hand makes these things. And it was so eye opening to an assembly line culture that like that's this race is so much more important than uh, sales numbers and stuff like that. It's these cars are individually handmade to survive this race, to have the unique combination of the speed, of course, but also the durability to hold up to run 24 straight hours at ma- being maxed out the whole time. It's crazy. And that's that you see that obviously through the whole movie, things heat up and burn out and fall off. And it's for that. I can see. Getting, and the suits just never got getting it. Getting into racing. Like it's more about it's, it's so much more than the driver strategy racing is. Oh, and, when do you and change how the things are built and the, the crew, what do they call that? The pit, Pit crew. Pit crew. And so it's almost like a team sport, really. There's a little bit of racing in my family. Uh, some cousins on my dad's side uh-huh. uh, live in Mississippi, and they had a little race team, Higgs Racing. Really? Yeah. And they it was... it Please was. tell me you have a banner or something. I know, I a, a shirt, sign. Shirt. All I've got is a t-shirt. You need a big sign. An ill-fitting t-shirt. But it makes a great undershirt, so I wear it. Under You're gonna my have dress to break clothes. that out at pot some night. And they, uh, uh, what do you liken it to? Uh, some families are into hockey mm-hmm. and spend a bunch oh, of money right. on gear every and weekend. You're on the road yeah. all the time. For them, it was racing, and it was. You said like uh, something about go karts. It was, I, I got to admit, Aunt Susie, if you're listening, I don't know the exact level that these cars got to. But it was a, it was a way of life. It was a lot of windshield time going to these races. It was very competitive. They were good at it. Huh. Uh, so yeah. Does it matter it's, what we bond over, or is it just that we have something? Well, I, I think to the point well, to the point matter. of like these days. It was a family thing. Their dad yeah. was obviously super into it. Uh, Do you feel better? He got his sons into it. Do you feel better if it's like kayaking or surfing or something that's not burning a bunch of gas? Do I personally? No, I mean, doesn't matter what we bond over. To that point, I think when I when I consider these different things, on one level, no, but on another level, like, sorry to take the conversation here, but we're in such an environmental crisis mode mm-hmm. right now that the whole idea of bonding over something that is basically a source of pollution and just this indulgence of like, we don't have to burn this fuel. We're doing this for, these are recklessly, you know, just wasteful machines that have way more horsepower than is necessary. And we're, we're all of this power, all of this unnecessary pollution we're causing for, for, this is interesting for people's entertainment. Right. uh, It's a little harder to, to swallow for Just sure. To let go, then I'm on a fucking piece of floating, you know, fiberglass or whatever, and I'm gonna try and stand up on it when this enormous wave does. Feels what less it does. wasteful. Right. You're not you're not leaving your footprint. Although you, know? you do have to jet ski out. And what's the what's the thing that the free solo guy climbed? Devil's Tower. El Capitan. Right. El no Capitan. machines. Pure. Okay. There's a purity to it of just man versus the elements, and I'm not, you know. Well, I remember wanting desperately. All these things have a drive. Playing basketball, driving a race car. Mm. uh, They all have 
it brings people together. Someone out there sure. has got to drive for that, whatever it is. Yeah, even that free solo thing, and it, it's like the most. It's called free solo for Christ's sakes. How does mm-hmm. something called that bring people together? But you got to see through the network of cameramen, yeah, and people who are also climbers. Like one of the most compelling subplots to that was the fellow climber who wanted to train with him for mm-hmm. his own peace of mind because he yeah. knew that. If this guy fucking kills himself doing it and I didn't help him, yep, I'm going to have a hard time living with this. The photographer, too, because he's yeah. done other stuff. You they could see about him battling. He, and they had kids. Both the other guys did. They yeah. had both had kids. It broadened their horizons a little bit. Mm-hmm. But but that they cared for this guy and they cared for each other drew you in empathetically mm-hmm. so that, you know, it became this. You saw this little community that existed around this guy and he was able to do some outreach he went to schools he talked to kids and like he wasn't completely isolated yeah and um but it was an interesting example of like a guy doing this spectacular thing who did it really in relative anonymity compared to jordan Mm -hmm. or people who do other extraordinary things and are just like i did have a question about why he chose to make the documentary at all like, what was the driving force behind that? Just out of curiosity. Beyond just the obvious vanity of mm-hmm. people Did saying, you're awesome. Can I make a movie sure. of your life? Yeah, I, I can't know. imagine this guy purposely doing that. Mm-mm. Somebody must have found him. I feel like I even heard an interview like on Joe Rogan or something that the maker of it might have sat down with him. Well, but dude, the camera way people. Way over my skis. The, but I can't see that guy seeking out that attention. No. The camera, Somebody must have discovered this mm-hmm. There was There was then, a personal relationship between the, the director okay. and the guy doing the camera work. These guys were climbers. Too. You had to be that's a climber. That's what climb- I love about Pod, though. I just yeah. speculate. I really think you... Like, <laughs> that's what I thought. Uh, <laughs> I think this guy... Didn't you get the sense, though, that like you had to be a climber just to get the footage? Oh, for in sure. You oh, absolutely like had to. That's what, okay, right. That's true, too, of that doc, yeah. So if you look up that, that it's other It's overlapping class. interests. It's overlapping interests. Like, we all love totally. climbing. You are the star of our field. Can I capture your your extraordinary, you know, journey? And and who doesn't, on some level, just respond like, that's flattering. Like, oh, you fucking care. We talk, we've talked about this a lot. Like, just what it meant to us when Chris was like, Hey, what do you think about me too? You know, I think you have a, an interesting take or perspective or, uh, what you're doing is it matters. So I think just on a basic level, like as much as that's not who he was, people universally respond. Well, I wondered for a guy that didn't want any attention really, and then, the, well, the photographer has done other shoots. He's made other movies. Yeah, right. And he's amazing. But to approach that guy, I imagine it was like at a campfire. And he was like, well, I think I'm going to do El Capitan. And it's like, oh, that's cool. Uh, if you do, sure would be cool to get that on film. You know what I mean? Yeah, maybe. And then I wonder if they didn't talk about. Wasn't that a campfire? There's so in many. The there's so many. Right. While Rubbing, he was doing pull-ups. Rubbing Ben Gay on his joints. There's so and, many uh, people that are climbing recklessly. I wonder if part of it was we can show hmm. the technical side of what it is that you're actually doing and how complicated it is, and maybe less people will get hurt trying Public to service free angle. soul. Yes. Because this guy was so meticulous. In yes. His, 
I wonder if that was part of it because there's got to be idiots out there free soloing stuff that they should not be doing that they haven't prepared that aren't for. Aren't smart, basically. Yes, that are hurting themselves yeah. regularly. And yeah. I'm hoping in my little, you know, like story about this that that was part of why he chose to do it was he was conflicted regardless of 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 what his motivation was and and that became part of this narrative which mm. was interesting you know where he was like one of the people who worked in the camera crew was like well i'm not fucking doing this again oh yeah that was a good that was a good little tangent because yeah. he w- i was really? right there with him oh yeah i was like i can't watch this i cannot watch it so he was ambivalent coming in and then he it was just one of those things that you have to experience to know like you know what this is too intense. I've I've met the line that I will will or will not cross to who who tell a good story. Uh, what's the word uh put his hands up and said I'm out? He didn't say that guy. he was out but he was one of the photographers and he was at the base. Oh okay. And he could okay. set it up and sort of like walk away for a second and be like I cannot watch what's going to happen next. But this is making me think because this is a sport that you're right there isn't stadiums filled with people it's not broadcast like the crowd draw and bringing people together is not necessarily what motivates and like sustains the sport and uh it all of this talk made me think about racing horses because you were talking about racing cars and I'm like, well, my dad used to race horses, and I was thinking about your family that you he were just used to talking. Bet about. on it, but did he actually ride and race? No, 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 no. When I say race horses, I mean he was there all the time, betting on horses. Mm. Like yeah. that was his second home. We had his memorial at the racetrack. Whoa. Yeah, and it was like his second family, basically. So, Interesting. Yeah, but when I'm hearing about your car, like the lineage of. This is how we bring our family together. Yeah. We all have this one common interest. Yeah. Yeah. That was something I wanted, but because it was gambling, he didn't want to bring my These sister and different me time in. Too. I mean, he's from a different era. The race totally. track is bringing his daughters to the track. Well, <laughs> he did, but oh. on weekends. Okay. You know, and it was like an event. It wasn't like every, it wasn't all the times he was there, mm. but we lived like two miles from the track. Mm. So, not coincidentally, not coincidentally. <laughs> wow. No. Mm-mm. If I, okay. please, no, I'm just curious because wouldn't it, wow. wouldn't it have been interesting if he had brought us into the fold and been like, this is how you pick your horse? This is what you this look for. This cannot be trusted. This is uh, what uh, you look for in the jockey. This is, you know, I owe that guy money. No, just like yeah. all the race. There's a way to strategically pick horses. And he knew how to do it, but he wouldn't teach us how. And I was always like, why don't you teach me? Can you tell me, like, how do you look at the races? Let me how into do your you... life a little bit. Here, right. But he was like, I'm really? going to protect everyone from that. And so. Really? Mm-hmm. Made it feel a little shameful, I suppose. Oh, sure. I mean, yeah. he was steeped in shame. But uh, I don't know. I wondered if we were male if he would have had the same he would let you in. tendency i feel like maybe not but we'll never know hmm. but as a sport my point is that it's racing it's a sport it's not wasting fossil fuels but it sure. does bring people together people love the track the it's people that hard on the horses people you know that what? love the track really fucking love it's it. as old as time it's terrible 
It's oh just, my god, it's totally inhumane for the horses. But but this doesn't this does this and the is, jockeys. This isn't a defense, but when I I was in York and lived in Northern England for a year, uh, horse racing huge deal huge in that town and in that country i didn't know where that was going but no okay. but <laughs> but i lived near a huge horse track oh when i was there and i got to see everybody dressed up in their finery uh-huh and walking from the train station past my house like a parade of glamorous big bowed hats and uh, was this for like Big time races, or is this just no. a weekend this thing? This was over just ev- the season, the racing season. I'm not ah. because my memory sucks for you know dates and times and whatnot. I'm not going to be able to tell you what part of the year this was. Not the super cold part. Okay. Anyway, you know we we saw we saw the a taxi driver made a joke. He summed it up by saying, "Princesses in the morning, ragdolls in the afternoon," <laughs> because. In true English fashion, they would just get shit-faced okay. through the course of the race and then just stumble back to the train and then sleep it off. Sure. Uh, but um, there was a river that ran through York called the River Ooze. O-U-S-E. Ooze. Mm. Okay. And there were stories about how when that was frozen over, the Romans that lived there would race horses on the frozen river. Oh, wow. you know, horse racing just went back thousands of years. Man's relationship with the horse is a big big part of how civilization was developed. Oh, yeah. Horsepower. Right. You know, like, it's just, it's, I got more of a sense while I was over there that the, our connection to these Crazy. animals and and how it's still there's more reverence and like it's still more of a deal there than it is here. I mean, we have the Kentucky Derbies and we have some things in the South and we have horse people, you know, but they're a little they're more, I think, periphery kind mm-hmm. of. It's not NFL football. It's not the kind of things mm. That True. really matter. We America. have our. Uh, it fucking matters over there still. We would not be the civilization that we are crown, with, if we didn't have horses. Oh yeah, because they They're transported kind of like us. Our animal slaves, to a degree, if you think about all the stuff well, that we made them do too. Transportation. I think we respected them more than. Did we? That kind of relationship, didn't we? I don't know. We we made them pull a lot of implements, and do a lot of manual labor and things, and you know I don't know. That maybe that analogy doesn't hold up in the sense that they don't have human dignity and issues like that, you know. But horses, they're super smart. I think depends on the owner, I suppose. Then as well, but that's like saying depends on the slave master. Either way, you're exploiting oh my something, God, dude. Whoa, <laughs> so <is> harsh. <laughs> I don't know. Is it fair that we saddled them? This is from someone who doesn't want house pets. Right. Right. So what is it? What do you mean? Just too much empathy for animals? Yeah, maybe. I mean, I have empathy for animals, but to call horses slaves sounds like you're going to go work for PETA. And then you're like, also, don't bring a dog in my house. Yeah, I don't want to have to clean up after it, but I'd like it to be happy. (laughs) I'd like it to be happy in a natural environment and not make it my beast of burden. How do you feel about zoos? But I mean clever that people that and kind of amazing that 
man was able to, man and women, of course, I mean, uh, were able to, <laughs> to, to manipulate and like train <laughs> these wild beasts to serve their own purposes, you know, what it did to warfare, cavalry, you know, things like that. It, it was a real game changer. So I'm not arguing that it was effective. It's just like horses probably would prefer to do other things than fucking charge again into artillery with an armed dude on their back. Wow. Uh, horses <laughs> predate technology. They do, but I mean, they were. But what's man is trying to survive, and there's an animal that's stronger than him and can do stuff. And yeah, it's a it's a bizarre relation. It's a jeez. Where did? <laughs> I think there's a love there, though. Oh, of course there is. Of course there is. And the people who have horses love horses. Alex Honhold rode a horse up El Capitan. (laughs) 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 That was in that. Was that in that documentary? That was at the end. Me while I play as a fly enthusiasm aimed at your indifference Scan the floor for one tap and do a bobbin here Any signal coming back on the same map for Rick frequency wavelength How's reception connection? Don't flip the dial, that's your performance Here's commercial free Here's commercial free Only thing for sale up here is me and my seat You're free to catch up on all times at the top of your lungs Got a mic and I can turn it up but I can't turn you down Got a mic what I need to do Let's more. More is what I'm telling you.